Welcome to Christie's Education's Think Like an Art World Expert podcast, and thanks for listening. Today I'm talking with Dale Lewis, London artist, and Jeremy Epstein, director of Adela Santi Gallery. Thanks for joining me, guys. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Now, um, I think we'll just start off with you, Dale. Do you want to give us a little bit of your background in, in art and where you got started and the style of art you produce? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I went to college in Harlow in Essex yep. back in 1996 and then completed a GMVQ there in art and design. Yeah. And then following that, I went to Liverpool John Moores and I did fashion and textiles for two years. But then um, always realised that I wanted to be a painter and not a maker or a designer. So then I left that after two years, transferred to London Guildhall to do fine art, which I think is called maybe Metropolitan now, or it's the other way around, it's just by Whitechapel sure. Gallery. And then following that, I went on to do an MA in Brighton. That was just part time. And then I worked for Damien Hurst for a short period. And then I got a bit kind of lost with art and what I was doing and kind of gave it up for a while. Mm -hmm. And when I lived in Spain for a year, just to get out of London, get away from everything. And then I came back and I got a job working for the artist Rakeep Shaw. And um, I was an assistant to him for I think six years. And then I stopped working there and then I had some money, I kind of didn't know what to do. And then I'd heard about this course called the Turks Banana Painting Programme, say an elephant and castle. Mm -hmm. So just on a whim, I thought this is kind of the last ditch attempt. Like I was older and it was like a now or never. So I joined that course. And then on the back of that course, I got a place on the Jerwood Painting Fellowship. So there were three of us and um, I got a grant, so I got the money to produce work. Fantastic. To have a show in London. And then I think that pretty much led on to meeting Jeremy. And that's where it all kind of overnight it completely. Like, yeah. Well, we'll talk about your the meeting between the two of you in a minute. But Jeremy, let's go to, to you. And what's your background? How did you get into the art world? Um, I sort of start, well, when I was a kid, I think. Um, I started by attending a course that Tate Modern were running to uh, sort of engage um, a broader London audience in what the museum was doing but it was specifically targeting young people it was called Raw Canvas mm -hmm. it was a Paul Hamlin sort of foundation thing right. and when I did that course I was 16 and they asked me to stay on and train to become a member of staff uh, which I did because it was just like amazingly well paid part time work and my school let me take half a day one day to be there because I thought it was great to have someone that was doing something, you know, with Tate. Did you always want to get into the art world? Was that something that... No, I mean, I think I was obsessed with graffiti and, and I, I remember like the only place you could buy the American magazines was in Tate Modern's bookshops. This is when I was like a teenager. <laughs> right. And so I was going there um, and that was probably my entry point. But uh, I th the whole point of that uh, Tate Modern Initiative was sort of demystifying the way people look at art and so that for me was um, it, it sort of stayed a part of my DNA I guess right up until now um, and after that whenever I was in the summer when I had free time I was trying to get internships and, and just work and get exposed to the art world 
Um, and I didn't study art at undergrad. I studied philosophy at Bristol and then came back to London. Then I worked in Paris at the Fondation Cartier for a year mm-hmm. um, as a sort of assistant to the curator, which was very formative as well. Um, and I really wasn't sure where I was going to land. Um, but I came back to London. I applied to Goldsmiths and Courtauld and ended up going to Courtauld to do an MA. Um, and I was working at a gallery uh, while I was there and then got a job at Gagosian as soon as I graduated. And around that time, just before then, I met my uh, business partner or the, the person who would go on to become my business sure. partner. Yeah. And um, we decided to, we, we both wanted to start a gallery, um, but we didn't have the money um, or the sort of the network. But we ended up with this very special opportunity to basically have a space for free. And we did that on the side of our jobs. For a few for a couple of years uh, until it became viable enough to do it full time yeah so how did you at that point how did you um make contact with artists at, well the, the the reason why we wanted to start the gallery was because we were both working in places that were very fixated on almost like consolidating the discourse behind very established artists um and i always thought of um you know the interesting bit about working in the art world would be to be a part of developing the conversation around my generation Uh, and I knew quite a lot of artists at that time um, and we wanted to show them but we didn't have a programmatic focus it was more just like let's do some shows and get our hands dirty and you learn what it is to 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 make exhibitions Um, so we were working with external curators to help us to you know to essentially contact a broader range of artists at that moment we didn't really have the time and uh one of them was vanessa carlos who now has carlos ishikawa gallery and another was ellie Gregg, who's now curator at chisna hale and there was a few other people but that was where we established our network at what point did you both make contact how did you how did you meet jeremy and was it at a gallery or was it um did he approach you how, how did that happen? It was when we finished the um, painting course at Turks Banana uh, in East, uh, sorry, South London, then they want, wanted to find a space in West London to do like a pop-up show for a week. So to take the show somewhere more central. And I think at the time it was around July or something, around the summer. Yeah. And Marcus Harvey, who ran the course, had been in touch with lots of galleries, and it just so happened that Charlie and Jeremy had like a free kind of week in between shows, and we ended up taking the exhibition there. Okay, so this might be a good point to to um, just get you to explain what type of art you produce now. Well, now I produce huge, well, yeah, pretty big figurative paintings. Um, they are four meters by two meters and um i was always resisting these i think for years this is why i stopped painting and then would start again and then would stop again and then it was when i got to Turks banana i thought i was always attracted to like huge grubby fast kind of loose paintings mm-hmm. and um i thought now this is the perfect opportunity to try them and I made lots of really bad paintings for probably nine or ten months but just at the end of the course they started to kind of come together and I think that thing I tried to push back uh, all these years kind of let in and then that's when they started to kind of become what I'd always wanted them to be I think and then met Charlie and Jeremy and then 
I think we went to Nada, didn't we? The art fair in New York, mm. pretty much straight away. And um, the reception there with the work we took was really fantastic. Excellent. Jeremy, what, what was it about Dale's work that attracted you to it? I think, well, I remember uh, Charlie had contact with uh, Marcus from Terps and um, said they're going to be doing this show for a week or something. And, there's one, and he said there's one artist in it and I'd already looked through the list and I was like I wonder if he'll say the same person it was like, and, and he said Dale Lewis and I said yeah I, I saw the images of that work but it seems like something you need to see in the flesh and lo and behold like the work is like much bigger than you ever imagine it could be when you see an image of it because these are sort of Dale's standard size is, is four metres across right. and I think that uh, the, the paintings that we saw were of the London riots Mm. and um they it was I, I, it was a very memorable encounter because that the london riots was a subject that no one really you know like it's very close to londoners hearts because it was sure. very upsetting and no one really was able to make sense of it and i hadn't really seen an artist engage with it to my i still haven't to my knowledge seen anyone that's sort of making work about that aspect of of of, of london life or or of britishness um, and in a way like when i saw dale's work there was this sensation of like that's someone that you've been looking for forever yeah you know that is giving a voice to these things um that's still how i feel about it mm. so what happens what's the process when you you want to take on an artist how do you approach them about that had you dale had you had other people sort of come to you and say well you know we're really interested in your art yeah. How do you decide who you go with? I think that's the, the thing. You have to wait for things to come to you. I think when I started Turks Banana, I probably wrote to maybe 150 galleries. Yeah. Like mainly in London or Europe and then, but didn't get any replies from anybody because I think like art school doesn't really prepare you for anything. Like you don't know as soon as they kind of put you out the door, it's like, what do I do? Sure. Who do I, how do I approach people? Mm. And I think... There were people that came in on the Terps course. I think there was Xavier Ellis who runs Charlie Smith Gallery. And he said, oh, I think uh, like Sarchi would really like your work. Let me show him some images. So I think he brought three paintings before I met Charlie and Jeremy. Mm. So, and then it seems to be that one thing will start and it leads to something else, which leads to something else. Yeah. And I think you just have to keep yourself kind of open and be very patient and wait for the right thing to come at the right time. Sure. which happened with Charlie and Jeremy. I think it was all very organic, wasn't it, when mm. we met? So how do you know when it's the right fit? What 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 was it about you both? When you have a feeling... I thought Charlie was awful, really. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> when I met him, I thought, oh, God, how can I work with this guy? Like, you know, we're from different ends. If he was the, sitting here, would yeah, you say, you say that exactly I was... The, oh, right. <laughs> I always liked Jeremy more. <laughs> now I love them both as much as uh, each other. But you have that sense of, I don't know, of people and um, and then you start working with them mm. and then you build that trust and you get to know yeah. them, not just professionally, but personally. And it's just like any other relationship, I think. Like, you kind of start dating and then mm. you see each other more regularly and then yeah. before you know it, you're married. It's that kind of... But that's how I feel. Like it's <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Jeremy? How does it feel for you? How 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 was the experience of signing <laughs> signing Dale on? <laughs> um, it was, you know, it, it it was pretty smooth and organic at the beginning. It's nice when it happens that way, um, in the sense that it, it's really nice when you actually encounter each other, as opposed to 
nowadays I feel like a lot of the programming we do for better or for worse you know we're sort of research the nature of our program is that we research things heavily and that we're often contacting artists on a whim saying you know like we're really interested in, in what you're doing and it you know it's it seems to be more organic when you get there at the beginning in the sense that when we met Dale he was really just finding his his rhythm sure. um and you know in that sense we were able to the relationship grew at the same time as Dale's practice um that is a, is a really lovely way of doing it which yes. is of, more often than not isn't isn't the way it goes because you know when you're a mid-level gallery or when you're not really dealing with people straight out of art school which which we sometimes do but we sometimes don't mm. you're having to figure out what each other's working practices are and sort of adjust to them of course yeah mm. and i think because i was making the work that i'd wanted to make just at the right time i think when i met you as well and you were probably more comfortable with your gallery and knew what you were doing like it took me like 15 years i think to like find my paintings because i used to make like flat photorealist kind of style work so i think if i'd have met mm. charlie and jeremy or anybody else at that time it would have been it wouldn't have worked out but i think it was the perfect timing maybe for both of us yeah i'm going to ask both of you um what the biggest challenge is with working with each other in terms of being represented and representing do you want to go first dale well just the work <laughs> like the scale of the work is like always a big issue isn't it and um but being represented and i don't know because we have to trust one another i think that's what we've spent the last two years kind of building and yeah. now we're at a place where i can i know i can just you know forget about things and get on with the work and then the gallery are gonna take care of the rest you know so they organize everything for you and i think for an artist like there's lots of artists nowadays that will try and do everything themselves yeah, or yeah. you know use instagram for anything sell to anybody and say yes to everything and then i think once you have a really good relationship with your gallery they can kind of say you know hold on a minute let's do this but let's not do this right now and you know we should be pushing for this and it's reassuring for me being in the studio so i spend most of my life on my own in a room whereas I know these guys are doing things for me you know why I'm not there yeah um, I think it's the, the demands uh, of, of, of all the responsibility of the gallery varies from artist to artist um, and it's it's I think the difficult job is always figuring out like what the needs of that specific artist are and how you can answer them and in the case of our working with Dale I think um, at the big, the first time, you know, he does work on an, on an immense scale and the subject matter. We, I mean, we haven't really done it justice. It's quite, it can be quite like violent and quite <laughs> explicit, yeah. uh, which is what we love about it. And and there's, and I think like, if I think back over the last few years, there's probably two challenges. One was at the beginning, when the first time we showed the work, I don't think we really expected it to have this explosive impact. And because we showed it in the States where collectors are very sort of hungry for want of a better word, um, we should have, if I could have gone back, I would have tempered the, the, the demand or I would have at least m minimized the pressure that Dale probably felt at that time, you know, uh, so that instead of developing his work, he probably must have felt a little bit like there was like this kind of insatiable demand that needed to be catered for because it might go away or something. That's one thing. But the other is that um, there was a demand early on. There was like one or two relatively, poli relatively polite 
paintings in the sense that next to the very difficult subject matter they were the things that maybe you could have in your house if you had children for example <laughs> and collectors at the beginning tended to gravitate towards these and so there was a sort of when he makes something you know a bit more polite like that's when I'll, I'll get on board and, and very early on um, against the momentum Charlie and I said to Dale just stop making them you know stop making the polite work and people will stop asking for it and there were obviously other voices in Dale's life that were much more like looking for the immediate um, uh, I guess the immediate results who were saying you know this is what people want and, yes. and that um, was a challenge and now I think we're just like make what you want you know don't compromise like go to the extreme and people will come along with you you know you've got the momentum fantastic let's let's talk about collectors a little bit more do you have contact with the the people who are buying your art Dale does does yeah. Jeremy sort of introduce them to you so that they can get to know you yeah. as the as the artist? Well, I think at the beginning we used to do quite a lot of studio visits, didn't we? Where you mm. would bring collectors down because I think it's important for them to come and meet you if they want to and see the work in you know real life and get a sense of it. And because uh, you can't really get an idea of it first time if you see it on a JPEG or mm. something, you need to get them in front of it. But um. But yeah, I mean, we're both good friends with some of the collectors and we'll see them for dinner and we'll, you know, hang out. But then there's other collectors that I probably haven't met. But this is the good reason for having the gallery, I think, in the middle, because, you know, some collectors do, from my experience, want to be friends with the artists, where other collectors don't really want to see them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have the gallery as this kind of, you know, mediator, I think, mm. between the two. <clears throat> and I got a frantic phone call once in New York from a collector at like midnight. I was in a restaurant and <laughs> I was like, I gotta have this painting. <laughs> and so this collector had phoned me up and I said, I was, I'd hung up on her, I think, and said, Jeremy, like, you need to speak to this lady in the morning. So that's why it's good to have a gallery yes. so they can kind of deal with this. And what about art fairs? Do you participate in art fairs, Jeremy? Yeah, 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 we do. And Dale, what what's your your perspective on on art fairs? Well, I quite like art fairs, but only to go and look at the people that are at the fair rather than to go and see the work. <clears throat> I mean, so I've done quite a lot of art fairs, probably in Korea, Germany, New York, Miami, I think Chicago, Chicago. Mm. And they're always very different. The experience is always different depending on where it is. But, yeah. um, I mean, lots of artists <clears throat> don't like them, do they? But I, mm. I, I kind of like them for the, the drama and the spectacle. Mm. And it's good to have some work there. And, you know, if everybody's in town, everybody gets to see the work. You get to meet new people. We've met some fabulous people at our fairs. Mm. And, but ideally, you always want to do a really well-considered show, I think, at home. Like that's what most artists want to do. Yeah, you always want it to be on your home kind of ground and planned, and yeah. but, so it has its benefits. But and Jeremy, did, have you seen a change in the way people are buying art? Is it more through art fairs, or are they coming to the gallery, or is, are people buying online? What What's your um, your view on that? Well, we've. Try, we've uh, always tried very hard to maintain um, 
at least 80% of our sales through the gallery. So we think very carefully through what the program is and what aspects of the program are saleable mm-hmm. and how to maximize the engagement with that because we feel like that's the stability. Um, and the art fairs, there's a little bit of a sensation of no matter how much you uh, prepare, you're still at a roulette wheel um, to a certain extent. and. I don't like that aspect of it. Like, I, it's it's against my character. Like, I don't like betting, you know, mm. big on, on on things that I'm not entirely in control of. So, that aspect of it is it, it takes you know sort of restraint. Um, we are uh, atypical in that sense. Most galleries, especially um, the blue chips, I think, are doing the majority of their sales at art fairs now. Um, uh, there's a lot of buying off JPEG, which I I don't think is a bad thing. It means that you can interact with a you know much more international audience because there aren't the collectors in london to support um, the kind of gallery that we want to have um uh so yeah i think buyer behavior has it it has changed is constantly evolving it's not evolving nearly as fast as it is in retail in other retail if if you can call it a retail space then you know in other retail spaces the high street is dead like i don't find that you know that i don't think that galleries can exist without the premises because we exist to make exhibitions in my opinion um so this will always be the core for us yeah yeah so dale what's happening for you in the near future what's what have you got planned well this is another good thing i think just going back to having a good gallery because and what jeremy was saying earlier earlier from nardo there's this really intense period when you start to work and start to sell your paintings and I was working flat out I think for more or less three years and just saying yes to everything and then last year we spoke I think and I basically had like a year off or really scaled down said no to everything yeah and the gallery had been really good and really supportive with that so I was just so overwhelmed I wasn't really enjoying it anymore I wasn't you know I felt like I was going a bit out of control yeah so we've taken a real step back, which has been really beneficial, I think, and we've just done some really like low-key projects. But um, we're doing a show, aren't we, in the spring, late spring, mm-hmm. around May time. So at Adele Santi, so we're working towards that now. So we've already started to make the work. It's one the work. work. It's one painting. It's yeah. going to be one 30-meter painting. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> But this is because we can, like, we're just yeah. doing things now because, you know, we want to kind of push it and challenge it and do it because we have the time to do it and not think commercially or, you know, just do it because nobody else has done it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Jeremy, finally, what are three tips you would give um, a person who is th- sort of thinking about going out and wanting to represent an artist and start a, a gallery perhaps what are the three tips you would would give them it's and if, if, if i always think of this in terms of things that i didn't do but should have but um, i think uh the, my if i could go back and do it like i, I think i would love to, to start a gallery with a very clear intention of what the thematic position or what the what the sort of program was doing i think there's a lot of that you know the gallery space is overcrowded there's a lot of space to make a gallery you know that is really focused on a type a type of work as opposed to just saying i'm working with my generation which is what people call the castelli model mm-hmm. um 
you know, I, I think what we try and do and what I, I think I find the most interesting is, is the idea that, you know, galleries are in a position to give artists context. And when an artist pops up at a different gallery program, by definition, they automatically acquire some kind of a context. Often it's just a market position. But if I was starting out, my, I mean, my number one tip would be like, think about what kind of a context you can create for artists so that the sum of its parts is, 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 is greater than, you know, just each individual artist and what you're able to do for them that they somehow become a not necessarily a community of people that know each other but at least whose work brings out things in each other's that that you might not otherwise have seen I mean that would be number one um, I think that uh, the, a lot of a lot of young gallerists who I meet ask about art fairs immediately um, it's like their first question what fairs should I do and, yeah. and my answer is like just don't do them because if you build a business that's sustained on art fairs alone um you will be vulnerable to the inevitable dip which is like in my opinion like 10 minutes away <laughs> you know but the people who have well consolidated programs with a loyal following of collectors that have been interacting with the shows and with the books that you make and with the content you put out as opposed to just what you have on your art fair stand yeah. those people aren't really going to go away um so think about what it is that you're going to be doing that will define your audience beyond just turning up at an art fair. My third tip really is just, I guess, like looking on what it's brought to me, like I, I don't understand how people do this on their own. Like having a business partnership has meant everything seems to have gone twice as well for us. Um, having like another opinion, especially if it's someone that's very different to you, like Charlie and I are very, very different from each other. And yeah. we're always, we always have a different opinion, which means that you find a medium somewhere. Um, people who work on their own running galleries often say to us, I wish I had a partner. Um, if you can find someone who is that intellectual counterpoint on some level, I think it's enormous. Um, obviously it's not mandatory. Though. Sure, sure. Well, thank you guys for coming to talk to us today. Um, we have been talking to Dale Lewis and Jeremy Epstein.